Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Be the Church podcast, where we are engaging in conversations that will encourage you to live out your faith in everyday context so that you can be the church. Welcome. I am Isaiah Fetterman. I am the producer. I'm also one of your hosts, uh, Theo Lightborn. I'm the administrative pastor at Aletheia Church Gainesville. My name is Kevin Anderson, and I am also one of your hosts and the lead pastor at Aletheia Church here in Gainesville. Yes, siree. So we are back. Um, we're moving more towards like a bi-weekly or would it be two times a month? Something like that. Frequently as we can do it. Yes, yeah, yeah. so <laughs> bi-weekly for a while now, I think. Yes. Yeah, so we're just making it official now. So uh, set your expectations to that and not more, not less, and hopefully we'll <laughs> stay there. So <laughs> um, surprise, if you have not been following us, uh, we are going through Spiritual Disciplines uh, for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney. So it's been really good so far. Yeah. I love the last one we did, yeah. and I'm definitely excited as we continue to talk about stewardship this week, which is from chapter eight. So this is the second week we're covering this chapter because the first week, Kevin, what did we cover? Yeah, we went through time. Exactly. Uh, specifically how to how to steward our time in a way that honors the Lord. Yeah. Right. And this week, Theo, what are we going to hit on? Just one sentence. So we uh, talked about stewarding time last week. We're going to talk about stewarding finances this week. Yep. Yes, sir. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I hope you guys are ready. <laughs> so, but before we jump everyone ahead. Everyone loves to be told how to use their money. Right? It's like favorite topic, right? Oh, and naturally. So <laughs> it's going to be uh, interesting. Um, but before we jump into that, this is about spiritual discipline. So as always, we like to give a quick recap for people, very short, just to give you an idea of the foundations we are working with. So yeah. with that, Kevin, um, what are spiritual disciplines? Yeah, there are things like Bible uh, reading, prayer, fasting. There are things we do um, both personal and corporately. Uh, to attempt to, in some way, shape, or form, um, ignite our passions for the Lord or to um, become more like Him in some way, shape, or form. Right. And Theo, why are they important? Yeah, so as we talked about the last couple of weeks, spiritual disciplines are important because they're the means by which we connect to God, and they're the means by which we become like God. Um, we become better followers for Jesus. That's correct. So now as we move on to the topic of stewardship, uh, barring any technical difficulties with an <laughs> iPad over here, um, you guys can look here if you need to. It's, yeah. it's to your right. Good. Um, we are going to move on to the topic of stewardship of money in detail. So as always, we like to start with a few very general questions and then move into maybe some more specific and practical questions. So with that, um, Kevin, what is stewardship? Yeah, so my made-up definition from the last time we did this um, is stewardship is the ordered and intentional planning to promote godliness and service to Christ. And, and what I mean by that, it, it's ordered and intentional planning of, of doing certain activities or setting up your um, life to be able to do certain things. Yeah, absolutely. 
So, and that was the definition that we talked about last week, but getting that general idea before we go into the specifics. So, um, with that, going into maybe more of a proper perspective, Theo, what is a proper perspective on stewarding our money? Yeah, so generally uh, speaking, whenever you're thinking about stewarding your money, you just want to remember a couple of core things. One of the first core things is the fact that God owns everything. Um, every single thing on this planet, in this universe, God owns it. Uh, Psalm 50 verses 10 through 12 say this, For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. God owns everything. But not only does God own everything, uh, but we should realize when it comes to money that it is his money. Um, We're just stewarding what he possesses with his money. And that reminds me of this great quote from uh, the book uh, where he said these words, God wants to use us and enjoy the things he permits us to have. But as stewards of them, we must remember that they all belong to him and should be used for his kingdom. The house or the apartment you live in, then it's God's house or apartment. The trees in your yard are God's trees. The grass that you mow is God's grass. The garden that you have planted is God's garden. The car that you drive is God's car. The clothes you're wearing and those hanging in your closet belong to God. The food in your cabinets belongs to God. The books on your shelves are God's books. All your furniture and everything else inside your home belongs to God. So, uh, you know, just to dwell on that a little bit, uh, if we're being honest, like that's a hard statement to accept in the U.S. culture because, I mean, like we're very independent. It's our stuff. Like we work for that. Like that, that fights very hard against the American dream. Yeah. So like, what are your thoughts in relation to maybe talking to someone who maybe struggles with that and like holding on to possessions? Well, I mean, I, I would argue that most Christians at least intellectually agree with that. Oftentimes the struggle comes not in intellectually ascending to that, but practically living that out and coming to some realization um, that, that it's not their own. Um, you know, I think it's really hard. I mean, you teach the, you teach people the word, right? You tell them what God's word has to say about, um, money and possessions and finances. And you teach people about the character and nature of God and understanding his sovereignty, his omniscience, his omnipresence, how he owns and has authority over all things. Uh, but, but I think from like a, a felt perspective, um, I often think some of the hardest situations we, we walk through as human beings sometimes, which includes suffering, uh, end up bringing us to a reality where we learn those things. And, and that's why I'm always hesitant to tell somebody who's suffering um, that it's not for their good that they're suffering because sometimes the best lessons you can learn in life are that you're not in charge. I think one of the primary things that we're even learning right now as a, uh, a people I, I mean that as the human race is a invisible virus has brought many countries, you know, to a standstill and to their knees during this time. And, and we're being reminded that we don't have as much control and we don't have as much authority uh, as we think we do. And so to answer your question, Josh, I, I think you, 
you teach truths, but sometimes you have to walk through real life examples and live, live in such a way that you find out very quickly, this isn't mine. This belongs to the Lord. And I don't, I don't think you can manufacture that. I don't, which is why I think, um, learning about spiritual disciplines, the way that we are, will help us cultivate how to rightly respond in the midst of suffering and difficulty when that time arises. Otherwise you start getting really nervous and worried when, when the, when the suffering and the hardship comes. Yeah. That's good. Um, and that's, that's, that's such a, a practical element of like our lives because so frequently in our lives, do we struggle? Do we suffer? Um, and it's very frequent that we see those around us who struggle and who suffer. So having that right perspective of the reality of suffering as it relates to being a believer is so integral to us being faithful to God. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's definitely going to push us into recognizing that uh, we have like this overarching idea of how to steward finances, but this is going to become very practical in a second of how yeah. we can actually carry that out and maybe take some principles with us. So with that, um, let's go to the next question, which is what does stewardship look like? So I think there's just some, some kind of like biblically some standard principles that you should kind of like know about finances. And these are things that God um, desires of us in uh, stewarding the money that he gives us. Um, the first one is, is understanding the importance of savings. Um, Proverbs talks at length in multiple places about the importance of, uh, saving money and setting money aside for, um, you know, future expenses or things like that. And I think that's actually something that I think I've noticed over the years that Christians really struggle with is the idea of like hoarding money or saving. They think it's wrong for them not to just give generously and give away all the time. There's like a, uh, poverty mentality sometimes inside the church, um, and, and we're going to talk more about generosity later. Um, but scripture is abundantly clear that good stewardship includes saving money and setting money aside um, to cover needs, including needs that might even arise where you need to be generous and give to the, the local church, as uh, Whitney mentioned in the book. And so, one, we need to have a, a proper understanding of saving and the importance of that. I also think on the, on the flip side, uh, scripture also talks at length about debt. Specifically, uh, Proverbs equates uh, debt with slavery and talks about the importance of not falling into to debt. And so I would say like the first two principles that you should think through and have a proper understanding of when you, uh, when you are approaching finances is, am I, am I saving and am I posturing myself in such a way to be able to save? And am I posturing myself and my stewardship and my finances to make sure that I don't take on too much debt and become enslaved to my creditors? That's good. That's good. And then um, another thing to kind of think about is the fact that we should like be able to afford the things that we, we yeah. buy. I think that oftentimes in our culture, we have this mentality that we need the latest this or the latest that. Uh, we have to keep up with uh, the uh, Joneses, um, you know, as the expression goes. And so frequently, we just buy things that we can't afford. Um, yeah. it's, it's almost a cultural norm to be able to, to do that. There's this great phrase that says, um, like, um, 
acting your wage. Yeah, you know? Dave Ramsey's famous line there. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's funny because right, that 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 line we often hear is act your age, right? But it carries over well into stewardship of finances as well. Uh, hey, you you don't make enough to buy the Corvette. I know that you qualify for the loan for the Corvette, <laughs> but you don't make enough to buy yeah. the Corvette. And you need to know that about yourself and your wages. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And not only that, but we should also be generous um, in terms of our giving with our money. You know, if we're going to be faithful to the Lord with our, our possessions, our money, our finances, God has called us to be generous. Um, you know, Jesus in the gospels, as he talks about money, that is his primary uh, focus. It's on generosity. Uh, when you see him using his money, it's around generosity. Uh, so that idea is so explicitly biblical. Yeah, absolutely. And so these are definitely very important principles and we could do many podcasts and maybe that's a little uh, foreshadowing towards uh, maybe sometime in the future that we'll be talking about this more in detail and maybe breaking those up into categories. But um, for this specific one, we did want to mostly focus here now on generosity and what does it look like to be generous, especially maybe with a a pandemic going on, like as there is a lot of like fear when it comes to money and fear when it comes to work and so many other things and, and having that security um, financially, what does it look, look like to be generous in that? So um, before we get into maybe some more specifics, um, how does the specific act of giving look, Kevin? Yeah. So one of the things my wife and I have the privilege of doing is, is doing premarital counseling at our church with a number of couples. And one of the sessions that we do with them goes entirely into finance. And one of the things we try to tell the couple at the outset is, that, hey, if you steward your money well, one of the things you should be posturing yourself to do in your budget is to be generous from the outset, but create a plan and put a, a plan in place to be generous over the course of time and become increasingly more generous. Um, one of the things I tell the couples, and, and this is my personal opinion, although I do think scripture does back me up on this, but I don't think that we are living out the biblical principle of generosity if um, our giving towards the cause of the gospel and the advancement of the church doesn't hurt in some way or isn't sacrificial in some way. Uh, a, a good, I mean, Paul talks about this in, in his letter to the Corinthians, but probably the best example of this is when Jesus is um, there before his disciples and t- they're taking up the collection and the woman comes up and puts the two mites into the uh into the 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 offering plate right and this is what it says he says he sat down opposite of the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box many rich people put in large sums and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which make a penny and he called his disciples to him and said to them truly i say to you the poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, but they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. That's Mark chapter 12 verses 41 through 44. And I, I think like the most important thing that I take away from that when I, when I read that is it has so much less to do with how much is being put in and more so um, the level of um, maybe sacrifice or um, to put it the way that I put it earlier, giving, giving should hurt a little bit. Yeah. I mean, and there was a, there was a level of hurt for her 
uh, in that giving. Now, the other thing I would say is the other theological thing we pull out of that is that there's also a deep abiding trust that God's going to provide for her right. in the midst of that. In the same way that when Abraham goes to the top of the mountain to sacrifice Isaac and the way that he speaks to his servants as he's taking Isaac up on the mountain is he is fully aware of what God has asked him to do. And yet he believes that either God is going to provide a way to save Isaac or that he's going to bring Isaac back from the dead, right? That there's this, this deep abiding trust in God's provision. And when we give generously to the cause of the gospel, uh, even when it hurts at times, the way that it would have for this woman, what we're displaying is we trust in God more than we trust in money. Right. We trust in God's provision over what God has even given us. And I think what ends up coming from this is this ends up leading then into um, giving generously ignites our hearts for worship, but that giving itself also is an act of worship right. to the Lord that um, God has created this discipline, just like any of the other disciplines that we've been learning for our benefit. God doesn't need our money. Right. You know, I love it. You know, when the, the Pharisees come to trip Jesus up and ask him to what they should do about paying taxes to Caesar. And Jesus is like, he just under Caesar, but Caesar is like, God doesn't need your money. You know, it's kind of like, when, you know, it's like one of those things where God does not need any of this. This is designed for our good and his glory. And so, you know, as Paul says in second Corinthians chapter nine, verses five through seven, he says, so I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. And I think that the principle we see there is if we're doing this as an, out of a sacrificial heart, out of generosity, out of an overflow of love for the Lord, this ends up becoming an act of worship and not compulsion. Yeah. And it's so interesting because when you think about that idea, you know, you look at that, that last part of that verse where it says, God loves a cheerful giver. Like that should like radically alter the way that we think about money. You know, the fact that like scripture is telling us that God loves this type of person. God loves when people have this type of attitude yeah. should drastically affect the way we view ourselves in light of that truth. Are, are we cheerful givers? Uh, do we delight to give to God? Because if you do delight to give to God, then you won't see giving as legalism. You won't see giving as a duty. You know, you're going to see giving as, like you said, an act of worship, yeah. um, as an opportunity to worship God, to reflect on God, to magnify his name, to be thankful towards God for the things that he has given, uh, given to us. Uh, I, I love this quote in, in the book. It said, um, one man said, there are three kinds of giving, grudge giving, duty giving, and thanksgiving. Grudge giving says, I have to. Duty giving says, I ought to. Thanksgiving says, I want to. God wants you to enjoy giving. That's God's purpose for our lives, um, is for us to, to enjoy giving to him. Because ultimately, we're not giving to um, a church or an organization or a particular ministry or to a particular person. 
ultimately we're giving to God. And that ability to just like unclench your fists and open up your hands um, and, and worship him in that way, it, it has a dramatic impact on every other aspect of, of your, your life. Um, I, I love this, this other quote in the book. It says, do you just give or do you give to God? You don't give grudgingly or under compulsion when you believe you're giving to God. Instead, you give willingly, thankfully, and cheerfully. And I pray that that attitude reflects all of our hearts as we ponder the truths of Scripture, as we try to live a faithful life to God. I know for myself, um, teaching here at Aletheia, we were in our gospel community uh, groups uh, last year. And last year was the first time in my entire Christian life where I understood what the parable of the dishonest manager was talking about. Um, and, and for me, that's, that's the most confusing parable. Um, it's the hardest to it's understand. Yeah. I just could not get Jesus' point. It seemed like he was saying that we should be like, like dishonest or we should you know, like do something evil. Uh, but basically what Jesus is saying in that parable is that we should take the world's wealth and use it for the advancement of God's kingdom. Um, and when that, when those truths like sink into like my mind and my heart for the very first time in a genuine way, it radically altered the way I perceived money. Yeah. Um, and I pray that, that that is what's happening for all of you who are listening and watching us is you're thinking about scripture, you're thinking about the principles that we're uh, talking about as they relate to God. And that's challenging you to want to be a willing cheerful, thankful giver. Yeah, that's good. Cause I, I think so often, right. When we approach finances, right. Uh, at least as Christians, we're going to have two, two separate approaches that aren't the one that that parable teaches, right. One of their approaches is, was, well, money is evil and it's the root of all evil and we need to avoid it at all costs. Right. And then the other approach tends to be a love of money, right. Where we end up serving it rather than God and, and kind of what we're seeing today, right, as we're talking about stewardship and we're talking about uh, generosity and giving, right, what we're seeing is that actually, you know, God, God doesn't view money itself, right, as, as evil or something to be worshipped, but as something to be used to bring glory to his name. It's just a tool, just the, the same way that a gardener has tools that help um, him or her to their final goal of, you know, yielding a crop that in the same way, right, Money is supposed to be ultimately just seen as a, as a tool uh, to uh, advance the gospel. Something you brought up here that I wanted to ask you a question on. So you're kind of like talking about this idea of you know giving uh, grudgingly, giving out of duty, or uh, giving with thanksgiving. What would you say to somebody who says, "Well, you know, my heart's not at a place where I, I want to." To give, I don't. I don't feel like I'm giving out of a of a heart of thanksgiving. How can we encourage people, and maybe even ourselves, right, to say, um, "Well, I'm giving out of duty right now," or "I'm I'm giving grudgingly because I'm supposed to do it." How would how would, how could we encourage somebody in that? Yeah, you know, this this may sound a little bit um, tough, but the first thing I would say is that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who could who can know it? Who can understand it? Like our hearts are sinful and deceitful, and there are things that we should love as believers that we don't love. Yeah. There are things that we should want as believers that we mm -hmm. don't want, and we have to continually allow our minds to be conformed to Christ, 
And what Second Corinthians tells us when it says that we have to make every thought captive to the obedience yeah. of Christ. And so like, there are ways of thinking and there are ways of perceiving things that I have that are wrong and that are not of mm-hmm. God. And the only way that that gets shifted is when I read the word of God, believe the word of God, and pray to God to ask for that transformation. Yeah, so almost like this, there needs to be this hearing from the word of God on what the truth is that I'm not believing that's bringing me to that place where I'm not in Thanksgiving, but also an active repentance of God. I'm, I'm not believing your word is, is true in this. I'm not believing that giving is for my good and for your glory. Will you, will you forgive me? And here's the good news, right? He, he's faithful to be gracious and merciful in the midst of that. And I think all of us have experienced repentance, not just in the area of finances, but with anything in our lives where right. we've seen, well, you know, I wasn't motivated from the outset out of a, out of a sincere trust in what God's word said in that, but I knew God's word was right. Not, not my feelings or my, my emotions. That's really good. Thea. Thanks for sharing that. Brother. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, then a lot of people are left with the question of, um, you know, okay, so we should give generously. Well, how do we give generously? Yeah. So Kevin, would you mind hitting on that? Well, I just think probably the, the best way to still do that is to systematically set yourself up and plan to be able to do that, which seems, which seems counterintuitive to what we're talking about, right? In regards mm-hmm. to it being an act of worship or an act of um, uh, generosity. Um, but in the, in the vein of what we've been talking about over the course of the last several weeks, right, with spiritual disciplines, things just don't get done if you don't plan them. And yeah. I think one of the hardest things that it, for us as human beings, excuse me there, uh, one of the hardest things for us as human beings to differentiate between is this idea of can something be done uh, systematically or planned and yet still be done in such a way that it is worshipful and ignites uh, an emotional or, or uh, joyful response out of us. Because I think you know, one of the things that maybe to give an example, one of the things I frequently hear from young believers is, well, I don't feel like reading my Bible. And I know that I'm supposed to read God's word because I desire to hear from him. Therefore, I'm not going to do a reading plan or I'm not going to have a set time. Well, then they don't do it, period. And oftentimes my wife talks about this frequently is that discipline and overflow of the heart tend to go hand in hand. Oftentimes, overflow of the heart can lead us to discipline, but oftentimes discipline in a particular spiritual discipline then leads to an overflow in the heart, meaning that if we're not systematically setting ourselves up to give, right, then we're going to likely hit periods where the heart is not inclined towards obedience to God. Therefore, sometimes dutiful giving can also be thankful giving. Because you've set in your heart when you know you were at a place where you were trusting in God and his word, right, to I'm going to follow through on this and give consistently, even if something comes up that seems like it's going to take away from this or going to lead me in a different direction. So I think you you set up consistent giving. Uh, for me, that's monthly. For some people, that's going to be weekly. For some people, that's going to be based around when they get paid, you know, biweekly. But whatever it means for you to give consistently, I would encourage you to consistently give at the same time. I would encourage you to have a routine where you reflect 
on that, whether it's writing a check for you or dropping in the collection plate at your church or hitting the send button in your bill pay for your, um, for your online giving or whatever it may be, or getting an email receipt, just so you can take a second to sit back, respond and reflect and thank God that you're able to give to the cause of his church and what he's doing and to contribute to the needs of the saints and what the church may be doing. And then I would also encourage you to um, be thinking about, hey, if I'm giving and here's what consistent giving looks like for me, what would it look like for me able to be more generous in the future? So Jackie and I always sit down every year to pray and think through how might we be more generous next year than we are this year in our budget? Is there something we can cut? Is there something we can change about our pay raise? Did we um, get out of this obligation that we're no longer under that allows us then to be more generous? And like, for example, one of the line items in our budget is to give because we have a large number of college students at our church to short-term missions for college students because we believe that that is effective both uh, in the field, but also in the lives and the hearts of those that go on those mission trips. And so Jackie and I, plan for those future needs. Well, those trips aren't happening this year because of COVID. Jackie and I could look at that and say, well, we have this large swath of our budget that's not being used this year. God's giving us money. So, you know, I can go get a new computer or, you know, buy a new car or whatever it may be. But instead, right, what Jackie and I have decided is, well, no, God laid it on us to be generous with that. Either something's going to pop up that's going to be obvious that that money is supposed to be used are when people are asking in 2021, and hopefully the virus will not be affecting yeah. life the same way. Then there are going to be some people that get some much larger checks than they would have normally gotten from the Andersons for their trips because we're just going to roll that over into whatever God calls us to do next year. And that's planning for future needs, even if something's not used, always being ready. That's an example of where saving and stewardship also helps in generosity later down the line. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to point out one thing that I really think was uh, valuable in what you said about uh, um, when you give. And I think this is a mentality that we don't necessarily have. And and it does go back to when we talked about Thanksgiving is, you know, giving isn't just something we do, but we can pause and reflect that we have the opportunity to do it. And I think that's something that's so lost as, you know, like we go to pay bills, like we don't ever think to like, thank God as we pay our bills and everything, but like having that mentality is as we're able to do those things, we can glorify God. And uh, as the PDP would challenge us, you know, it's an act of fueling our affections to give and a means of praising the Lord that we have an opportunity to give to others. And I think that's a huge mentality that I think can be very helpful and valuable as we start to uh, see the Lord use us and be able to give more generously. Absolutely. That's good. I love just looking at these really practical things that we're talking about. Are, are there any other practical elements that we should examine? Yeah, so absolutely. Uh, I, you know, obviously we do have a lot of students and whatnot. So I, that does bring up some questions of what does it look like for students to be generous, you know, especially, um, you know, if they don't have a job or income, you know, are there ways that they can practically be generous or like, well, what is the mentality to have there? So having done ministry with college students for a long time, um, a consistent theme I see in students is they have more money than they think they have and they have more time than they think they have. Amen. They're just poor stewards of those two things. 
which is why this particular um, chapter, I think, is so impactful and so important, especially in the context that we're in. I know we have people that listen to this podcast that aren't necessarily even a part of our local church. Um, but uh, I would say that, that that age bracket that we have a large number of people that attend our church, and they really, really struggle uh, with that one. Um, one, I'm just pretty unsympathetic towards the whole, I don't have any money to give. Um, I can't do it type thing. One, because I, I just see what people spend their money on. You know, like, you know, if, if you've got a decision between the, the $10 latte at Starbucks or giving $10 to the church, I, I think you should be giving that $10 to the church. Like, I, I, I really do. And I know some people don't want to hear that. Uh, and, and that might be hard for you to hear. But I, I think giving to the cause of the gospel is more important than you hitting your caffeine high and sugar high for the afternoon. Um, and so, one, this is why when Theo was talking earlier about just you know, being able to steward your money and buy things you can afford. If you can't afford to give to the church, you probably can't afford to eat out and be buying expensive coffee drinks every day, which I, which I know is something that college students should do. And, and if that's the case, fine but you shouldn't we shouldn't be catching you doing the other thing otherwise I, I would say that there, there probably needs to be some repentance on your end of things um the other thing i would just say is, is we saw that example earlier that jesus shared right where the woman puts literally her last two coins in the offering plate have you reached that point where you are literally, you literally have drained your account to where there is nothing there to give. And I know this is, this is difficult, right? Because some students will say, well, I'm living off of student loans or, 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 or whatever it may be. And if that's the case, so be it. But I think if you are, if you are taking in a salary, right, or if your parents are kind enough to give you a stipend to live off of, I think you need to discipline yourself to steward that money and that income you're being given to give back to the Lord because it's for your good. Um, my grandfather um, didn't talk about God a ton with me and didn't talk about his relationship with the Lord a ton. But one of the things I do remember him telling me when I was a, um, gosh, I was probably about 12 or 13. And I had just become a member at our local church, even though I didn't believe because that's kind of what he did <laughs> in your church. Sounds traditional. One of the things that he told me was when they first had joined the church, um, they were a part of a Sunday school class and they, they did a session on giving. And he said, we went home and I talked to your grandmother and we decided we should start giving to the church because we've been going for over a year and we hadn't started giving yet. And he's like, I'll be honest with you. We couldn't really afford to give, but we just really felt like God was laying on our hearts to do that. And he said, you know, we, we prayed and we prayed about it and then we just did it. We gave. And he goes, and it was hard for us. He said, and it wasn't two months into giving to the church that our washing machine went out. Mm. And he's like, man, I, he's like, I, I knew we were in big trouble when that happened. He said, so we, we go to church that Sunday and I kind of have this choice between dropping money in the collection plate. Cause this is back in the, you know, the late fifties, early sixties, you know, mm -hmm. I wasn't all my giving then. And so he says, <laughs> he said, I dropped it in the plate. He said, as I was walking back to, um, the, the foyer after church, someone came up to me and said, Hey, I heard your washing machine, um, went out. Uh, I'd love to come over and fix it for you. 
in your wife. Wow. Um, someone, someone in my Sunday school class said they knew you and heard that from you and, and was just asking for, for us to pray for you. And I want to come over and fix that for you. And he said, he's like, I know that that's kind of like one of those crazy stories that you didn't really pray for it and things just kind of happen. He said, but, but God used that to teach me to trust him and not in what I have saved. And I think that's just a really, really important and valuable lesson that any of us can learn is one, have you reached that point of what? Jesus is talking about there in the gospel of Mark where you're giving over and then kind of trust in him for provision, not being foolish, not being unwise in the way that you steward and spend your money, but are you displaying on a heart level? Yeah, I'm going to give because I'm going to trust God over what my checkbook is telling me. Jackie and I at times have had moments where we've written checks or done things and it just doesn't make sense. We got to balance the checkbook later. We have money there and we're like, this is just, this doesn't make any sense, right? And I tell Jackie all the time, just write in the checkbook, God math. Right? Because <laughs> it's, where, it's where God shows up and does something that doesn't make any sense. Right? And that's what then ignites a heart of worship because you know, well, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. This shouldn't be happening the way that it did, but God shows up. Yeah, that's good. That, that, that just kind of reminds me of something that maybe we should turn into a podcast at some point in time in the future. Just this idea kind of related to what we talked about when we talked about worship that's also connected to these ideas around stewardship of finances is this idea of faith before feelings, Mm -hmm. like letting your faith be larger than your feelings. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes like we allow our feelings to control us and to dictate the things that we will and will not do when our faith should control us. Um, It should dictate what we will and will not do. So, um, yeah, that just, just listen, Kevin, to you talk about those things just reminds me of that idea uh, that our faith has to be greater than our feelings. Yeah. So maybe the TLDR for your question, Josh, is if you're a student or someone that doesn't have a job and you're wondering, can I give, um, check your finances. Yeah. Because you probably can give. You probably do have an income coming from somewhere. If you don't, you probably need to get a job. Mm-hmm. The number of students I know that don't have jobs at the university and um, don't steward their time well versus the students I know that do have jobs and do also take classes full time. I'll, I'll just say there's a, there, those that work tend to have less issues. Yeah. And so pick up, pick up a part-time job. Pick up, yeah. pick up 10 hours a week or, or, or do something and you're going to be making very, very little money. But you'll be surprised at how good it will be for you right? To be doing that kind of thing on multiple levels because God created us and designed us to work. Absolutely. Right? We, are, we are to subdue and create and rule, right? That is how God designed things in Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two. And so I think oftentimes we get into trouble. We don't find ourselves doing those things. And so if you look at your finances, like I don't have a job or an income, maybe you should Right. Get a job. Yeah. So then uh, one other question I have, and we'll we'll end with this question is um, maybe on the other end where, you know, as you talk about being generous, like is, does that like completely cut out the opportunity for like recreation and stuff like that? So like, you know, maybe people who like vacation, you know, uh, abroad and whatnot and like spend a lot of money when, you know, some people might argue like, you know, Hey, like, you could be spending this on something so much more valuable. Like where, where's the balance in that? If there is a balance in that and like, well, what's a good 
perspective when it comes to how we use our money in terms of, you know, we might be generous, but is there room for other stuff or how does that look? Yeah. So the short answer to that question is that you can do all of those things. Um, like there's, there's no reason why you can't rest and relax. Um, that's, that's ordained of God as well. Um, but the issue comes around when it comes to priorities, mm-hmm. you know, for a lot of people, particularly within our culture, our priority is around rest. Our priority is around relaxation. Our priority is not around our relationship with the Lord or with others. We're not necessarily putting, uh, what Jesus said should be the first two things, loving God and loving people first. Um, and so if, if your priorities are right and Jesus is first and others are second, then you can have all those other things too. Uh, but if your priorities are not where they should be, then you shouldn't take a vacation because you need to focus on, you know, your eternal destiny and the eternal destiny of those around you. Yeah. I just, I, I think the question you're getting at Josh is, is, is often a matter of conscience. Mm-hmm and community and what i mean by that is i would encourage you to one seek um the holy spirit and asking hey is is my approach to the way i i steward my money with vac- for vacation or entertainment or whatever it may be uh honoring to you uh or is it out of, as is it out of line and two if i feel like i don't have an answer to that when i ask that question internally do I have church community of, of men or women who know me, who can speak into my life in that way in a, in a wise manner that I trust what they're going to say to me. And if I need to adjust, they'll call me to adjust. And so when, when scripture talks about things being a matter of conscience, I always say it should be, what does God's word say? What does my conscience say? And is my conscience in violation of what God's word says? And then if my conscience is still in line with what God's word says, are other people telling me, and that love the Lord and love me and, and affirming that same, that same thing. Like for me personally, I'm often being told you need to take a vacation because that's not really something that I, I like to do. Um, and, but it, it's actually sinful of me not, not to do that. And so I think to answer that question, you know, you kind of look at it in different layers. What does the word say? What does my conscience say? And what do, what does my community say in regards to me specifically and how I'm stewarding? finances in that way yeah absolutely thank you for that insight absolutely um do you guys have any uh last thoughts uh that you guys want to mention before we wrap up no i just feel like there's so many things here that we discussed that are so uh, practical and so helpful I, I you know one of the things that kevin just mentioned which just bears being um reminded of is the fact that like community and the church is so integral in everything that we do within our spiritual lives um, and we're not really talking so much uh, during this series about the interpersonal disciplines, but there's so much that needs to happen within your church community that leads to faithfulness in all of these spiritual disciplines that we're discussing, particularly when it comes to stewardship of, of money and things like like that. Accountability is key uh, to faithfulness. Yeah, that's good. I don't, I don't have anything to add yeah. to that. It's good. Yeah, and I mean, I would just say in light, since I did mention it earlier, in light of the pandemic, even though our resources may change, our mindset on generosity doesn't. And like it, it may adapt in like what we have, but how we use it, I think still remains the same is a good practical outlook just to give that a one sentence summary. So um, yeah, 
thank you guys for joining us this week. If you enjoyed it, feel free to share it. I won't stop you from that. That'd be great. Um, you know, subscribe so you can continue to follow us as we talk about different topics and maybe hit on something you like. And by all means, if you have things that you want us to talk about, maybe you're curious about some of those other topics of finances and maybe saving or debt or whatever that may be, and you'd like us to talk about that, please feel free to email us and influence what we talk about at podcast at alatheagainesville.com. I'll say it again, podcast at alatheagainesville.com. And with that, uh, our next time we will be talking on a very uh, uh, interesting topic that I think a few people have mentioned they're excited to hear about, which is fasting and the spiritual discipline of what does it look like to fast. So um, definitely tune into that one in our next podcast. And with that, Go and be the church. Yeehaw. <coughs> Everyone get it out. <coughs> Does everyone have it out? Yeah? Everyone's ready? Let's do this. Let's um, go.